0: Would this morning turn with me to Revelation 1, Revelation 1. We are in the season now of Easter. You may say, why in the world do, do y'all follow seasons of the church? And, uh, and I've been thinking about this this week, and of course I've thought about it before, but particularly it came to mind this week, and, uh, and here's why. It helps to orient us so that we don't get lost... ...in the middle of the year, because it's easy to get lost going from one thing to the next. Can I get an amen from somebody that's busy? Anybody out there feel like you're busy and like, you know, you just go one thing to the next, right? Well, here's the thing. We are not defined, catch this, by our kids' baseball schedule. Thank the Lord, it will come to an end, right? Um, We are not defined by soccer, we're not defined by our work schedule... We're not even defined by what's on the shelf at Walmart, okay? Because they're ahead of us every single step of the way, aren't they? There, there are, they probably already got East uh, Christmas stuff up. I don't know. They may. But, but nonetheless, we're not defined by any of those things. Instead, as Christians, we have a calendar to follow. And it's one that should help to orient us, not just theologically, or not just in our storytelling, or in our preaching, but in our actual lives. We go through these movements that relive the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what we've done... As we, ...as we celebrated during Advent His birth. And then as we moved into Epiphany... ...where we said, thank the Lord... ...that he, His salvation, His birth... ...was not just for Jews... ...but also for Gentiles. And His baptism was celebrated. And we remembered our baptism. And then we went right into the season of Lent... ...where just as Jesus, after His baptism... ...was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit... ...so too we were driven to sacrifice things in our life... ...to go into a really a a self-motivated wilderness. Self-implicated. We implicated ourselves like get in the wilderness man, woman. And we said we're going to do that for 40 days together... ...not counting the Sundays and we did that 46 days total. And we came through that with joyous brilliance... ...on Easter with light, with first light... ...the light being brought in with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we're in this season where we're looking toward Pentecost. Because this is exactly what Jesus himself told his earliest followers... ...was this, wait for the promise of the Father. In other words, my work... In coming, in the incarnation, and living a sinless life, and then in dying, a criminal's death, bearing the sins of the world, and then being buried, and then rising again, that wasn't enough. That's scary even to say, isn't it? It's like, whoa. You sure, bro? Oh, I'm sure, sis. Because he himself... When He comes back says, look guys, nothing's going to happen until the Spirit comes, okay? So wait for the promise of the Father. He had told him before, I must leave in order for another to come. One to come alongside you. One that will point to me and my Father and remind you of our teaching. And also be in you the power of God. That one... We crave. It is that one we ask for. For with the coming of the Spirit comes the whole Holy Trinity. All three persons come to make their home in us by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And so that's the season we find ourselves in one that is anticipating. We, yes, are celebrating. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah, right? And yet we say, Come, Holy Spirit. And then, in May, we'll be celebrating the coming of the Spirit. And that season will last all the way to Advent. So it's the biggest one. It's the one that we live in the most. Because our life should be defined by God's Holy Spirit. Notice this text again here in Revelation. We've heard it read uh, from our lectionary readings. Bear with me again as we read it here from the ESV. Chapter 1 of Revelation 4 to 8. John... To the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. And the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us. ...and has freed us from our sins... ...and by His blood... ...and has made us a kingdom... ...priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion... ...forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds... ...and every eye will see Him... ...even those who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Lord Jesus, bless this reading of Your Word to our hearts. Let us be faithful witnesses of You, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All good things come to an end. This is what we say, right? This is something that is true, and it is in fact true. You know, you're sitting there enjoying yourself maybe at a ball game, your favorite television. I remember Jessica and I got into this series where it was like, we just didn't want it to end. You know, it was like, oh, I want to slow down. I actually paced us. I was like, Bev, we can't watch. We can't just binge. It's not not worth it. This is such a good show. Like, there's not a lot of good shows. So we really need to pace ourselves here. Because we don't want good things to come to an end, right? Well, here's the good news of Revelation. Which literally means apocalypse. Here's the good news of Revelation. Here's the good news of the Bible. Here's the good news of Christianity, of Jesus Christ. And that is, all good things must come to an end because creation was good. But then comes the great stuff. For there is a greater kingdom. There is a new heaven and a new earth, we are told. That is greater Than the ones before. So I don't know. I mean, you know, life can be pretty good at times. And it's like, how could it be greater? And yet it can be. And it will be for those who are faithful witnesses to Jesus Christ, followers of him. You know, it's fascinating. I was looking at the the Greek here in in Revelation 1. And the way the book of where it even gets its name is from the first word. ...which is apocalypsis, which is apocalypse... ...is where we get our term apocalypse right? and It's Literally, it's apocalypse, Christ, Jesus, of... ...because, you know, the Greek's all funky and stuff... ...but it's like, that's what it means... ...is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Literally, the book gets its name from its first word... ...which is not unusual. That's exactly how Genesis begins... ...and that's what it means, is beginning. In the beginning, so the first word, beginning, right? And this, is, this was a typical way of naming books in the ancient world... He just did it by the first word that was said. And this is exactly what is happening here. And yet, within all of us, when I say apocalypse, because we watch TV and we know genres and we play video games and know those apocalyptic genres, we all are like, wow, that can't be a great book. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's like post-World War III, you know, post-apocalyptic kind of nuclear disaster sort of thing. Everybody's wearing gas masks and killing each other like warlords. Uh, that's immediately what comes to mind, right? I mean, that's what apocalypse means to us. As soon as we pick up a genre, we're like ah, oh, nah, I don't feel doomy and gloomy tonight. I'm going to go with something happy, you know, not apocalypse. You don't just automatically pick up Revelation. It's like, yeah, let's fire up some things, you know, and blow some things up. Uh, that's uh, that's typically not where we go with that. But here's the th- here's the deal. This is in fact the end game, <laughs> which is uh, right, pretty appropriate, isn't it? Anybody Avengers endgame, you know, right? So revelation is the end game. It's like, it's the last one. It's not going to be anymore. This is the final word we have in the Bible. Genesis, beginning, Revelation, apocalypse. The end, right? And yet, the end does not have to be something sad. Not for those who understand the end can be a new beginning. You know. I say we, but but Jessica bore the weight of this more than, than than I certainly. But pregnancy was was pretty fun, most of the time. You know, I got to eat some funky stuff. You know, I mean, she's like, "Go get us some ice cream," at, like this kind of ice. You know, it's like, okay, well, we can do that. Or she got on this pickle kick. You know, during one of the one of the people one of the people in there like pickles for whatever reason. And so, you know, we 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 had a fun time, like the whole pregnancy. Thing. But then there comes a point, right? About nine months. Where it's like, I'm just, all the nerves are gone. Uh, all of the, the fear is gone. It's like, I am ready to have the child, you know? She is great with child, which means she's ready to deliver, you know? Because here's the thing. All good things must come to an end, right? And yet there's a greater thing, right? I mean, when that little baby comes out. I mean, you just Did you not see that precious little baby in my arms just a minute ago? Life womb to life there's an ending and yet a greater beginning you see it is possible we see it all the time that's how you got here and revelation speaks about the end and not only revelation but the prophets spoke about the end and particularly in the Gospels, Jesus speaks about the end in such a way that there is an anticipation, just like in pregnancy. When's it going to happen? When's the day? We don't know the day, and all of a sudden, hey, the water. Hey, the child coming. And at that point, everything else stops, doesn't it? It admi- I got a businessman. No, you don't. Not anymore, buddy. <laughs> Not if you want to stay married, big guy, you know what I mean? And have a happy marriage, you know? No, everything stops. In Revelation, everything's coming to a hard stop. I know that language, that's the business language, you know. People are like, hey, I can meet with you, but I got a hard stop at one o'clock. I'm like, okay, all right. What's a soft stop look like? You know, you never talk about that, but <clears throat> anyway. So it's like, Revelation, that's the end. There's, there's no more of what was, you see. And even now, get this, this is crazy. Even now... Jesus I mean, almost in like this crazy intergalactic way, and yet it's a real way, is where all the movies get it from, he's come into our world secretly and placed within it a seed that is going to bear fruit. And Jesus talks about it this way, is the earth is pregnant with his justice. It is going to happen and there are birth. That's literally Jesus' language in Matthew and in Mark. He has these long sections, these weird sections to us because they're apocalyptic. And they're all shrouded in mystery and weird language and and, and not normal terms. And at the end of that, he says, but like birth pains, something new is coming. And even now, we feel part of that quake. Sometimes we can even see that life kick and we say, oh, feel here. Go, go to this city. Look at this church. It's happening now. People's lives are being transformed. That's happening now. The world is being transformed even now. And yet, there's still more to come. There are these happy moments that He gives us so we can be joyful, so that we can hold on hope, but there will be a final end and a new, greater beginning. That is our faith, friends. That's, that's basically the Christian story. And the good news of revelation. You know, in defining the end, there's really two ways that you that you define the end. And we've talked about this before, but I want to just remind you: one is the end of a process, you know, just like pregnancy, like that's the end. But it's like there's another end that we speak about when we say things like, we use these aphorisms at the end of the day, da-da-da-da-da, right? what we mean by that is the real meaning of this. You know, you know what I mean by that aphorism, right? You use that. You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to this. And we're saying, well, it's the meaning of the process. So one is, is there's a series of things and that's the end. Put a dot behind it. But the other is the end in the sense of meaning. And you know what? Revelation shows us both. It shows us everything coming to an end where the credits roll, right? All the saints... They're all coming. Everybody that's been a part of the show all of a sudden comes out. I mean, imagine it's like a play, right? I mean, you've surely gone to maybe a play before, Shakespeare, or Beth, or something like that. And it's like all of a sudden there comes an end to the play, and then everybody that was doing the lights, they come out, you know. And do all the act, actors, actresses, they all come out, and the curtain kind of rolls back and shows you the behind the scenes, right? Let me tell you, there's a whole world around us. There's a whole world around us that is operating to save the world. There's a whole, another whole world that's operating the other direction. Bring it all down to hell. All down to darkness. But let me tell you a little secret. The light always wins. Amen. You, know, you actually can't turn off... Um, you can't turn off light. like a, Like darkness you can create by turning off a light here. Boom. And that creates... But darkness, you can't turn on. Or it's, it's only the absence of light. So in other words, light is its own thing, so to speak. It's, it's its own source, not darkness. Same thing with heat. It's like it's hot in here. It's cold in here. That's only measured by the heat, not the cold. There's no such thing as measuring cold. In the same way, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's why light will win, always. If battle of light and darkness, there's, always, there's only light. And that's why, that's why, you know, my, <laughs> I, uh, I guessed at what would be in the Avengers Endgame. All right, now I'm not going to tell you what's in it, okay? But I'm going to tell you what I guessed. And that was two things. There would be a sacrifice, because all good stories have a sacrifice at the center of it. And that there would be a great reversal of what had happened before. And if you didn't see what would happen before, you know, everybody turned to dust and ashes, Sound familiar? Ash Wednesday? From dust you came to dust you shall return, right? That's our great what Avengers was showing was our greatest fear is just remaining ashes. And it's sad. Disrupts the whole world, disrupts your whole life when there's life and then there's just ashes. But the good news, we know going into a movie, it's going to be a terrible movie if it doesn't reverse around. Why? Because the greatest story ever told. That's why. If you're going to tell a good story, there's something in all of us that triggers. We start getting, emo- you know, start getting emotional. Why? Because we know good should win. That's what we expect. If you went there and, you, and it didn't win, it's like, I mean, everybody left there depressed. Never seen that stupid movie again. I got enough to darkness in my own life. No. In the truest story ever told. The best story that defines all storytelling. And why do we even tell stories that have beginning, middle, and end? The beginning is Jesus. As the Son of God, the Word of God, the Logos of God. All things were created through Him and by Him and for Him. And who's at the middle of the story? Right in the middle, secretly sneaking in, humbly, just living out his life. Jesus. And then who's at the end? That's why he says, "I'm the Alpha and the Omega." That's just Greek. That's literally two Greek words: A and the Z. I'm the A and the Z man. I'm the beginning. I am the end. I love the way, poetically here, even prophetically, if you will. He says here. Notice uh, of four B and then eight, as well. Verse eight as well. Who is and who was, and who is to come? What would you say? Past, present, and future. That's who Jesus is. He holds all of time in his hands. Which means he's also holding us. That's good news, friend. In a troubled world, in a troubled soul, that's good news. Now, we can define the end, but here's the greater thing, is being defined by the end. And that's kind of the point of Revelation. It is a book that has been given to us, not so we can just define what's going to happen at the end, which is typically where everybody goes, isn't it? It's like yeah, let's argue about the millennial reign of Christ or pre-trib and post-trib and amillennialists and all this language that we never talk about at workplace, you know. But all of a sudden comes up in these discussions about Revelation because it's weird language, because it's apocalyptic. We know it, but we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to interpret the images that are there. And it's tough. I mean, trust me, apocalyptic genre is tough. I got a whole list here of helps that would help, but... uh, I don't have time to go into it, honestly. It's, just too, it's too long, but maybe we'll get into it next week. I'm going to be preaching from Revelation until Pentecost, okay? Because our lectionary readings are actually all in Revelation. But here's the point of Revelation. Here's the long story short of Revelation. Things are going to come to an end, and at the end of all things is Jesus. The person. Listen to this. Not the concept of God or Elohim or, or anything like that but the living, breathing, bodily, resurrected person of Jesus Christ. You say, what's at the end of all things? The meaning of all Jesus Christ. What's the meaning of physics? What's the meaning of mathematics? What's the meaning of science in general? Or psychology? Or the sociology? Or all the humanities? Philosophy? Theolo- what is the end of all things? What's the end game? The person of Jesus Christ. Now, what is that person like? Well, this briefly gives us a few beautiful titles of Jesus Christ. Notice here. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now, who are those seven spirits? That's just the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah he lists out seven things the Holy Spirit does in Isaiah and he's called the seven spirits there and not only not only there but elsewhere he, several times in revelation called the seven spirits and that's interesting by the way this is a sidebar but the number seven is is helpful and unique in revelation you ever notice how many times that the Bible is it uses follow this it uses numbers in Qualitative ways, in other words, quality number, as a quality, not as just a quantity. It's not. It's not really interesting in the exact number. You say, "Well, the Bible could never be an engineer." Thank God it couldn't. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't read it if it was. You know what I'm saying? It'd be too. it be too boring for me. Anybody else with me? Um, it's like a numbers, numbers, numbers. somebody actually, uh, John, the, our drummer. He's he said I his, he had a buddy because you know the draft, the NFL draft is going on in Nashville. He said. He said, yeah, he's all into the numbers and, like, predicting. I said, that sounds like work to me. And if it's work, I've I got enough of that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to watch TV and create more work for myself. But here's the point. Seven is a quality number. Why? Because it's a whole week. That's why. Right? You have six days of creation, then he rest on the seventh. It's a quality number. It's a perfect number. That's why seven is associated with perfection. That's why here, when he's using poetical, prophetic Apocalyptic language, he speaks of the Holy Spirit, not just as the Holy Spirit, which we've heard before, but rather the sevenfold spirit. And notice he's writing to the seven churches. There's seven seals, there's seven bowls, there's seven judgment, there's seven, 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 all over Revelation. Actually, about 54 times, specifically, fifty-four. that is a quantity there, Uh, 54 times the number seven is used in the book of Revelation very important number, but get this, (laughs) it's on the eighth day that Jesus rises from the dead because that's a new week, you catch that, and in the eighth day, seven's the perfect number, but there's something greater for us on the first day of the week, that's why we're here today, this is the first day of the week, right, it's a new week, And every week we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate what he has done because one day, just as last night became today, so too the old world will be gone and the new one will come. The resurrection of all things made new. And friend, that is something to celebrate. It's something to be thankful for. It's something to hope in. And so anyway, that's the sevenfold spirit there. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Notice how Jesus is called a faithful witness. What is he witnessing to? God, who God is. When you see the face of Jesus, you have seen God. You say, what is God like? Is he always angry at me? Is he always, you know, stupid Marshall can't do anything right, you know? It takes so long to do stuff, which which is true sometimes. Um, Never gets around to doing the important stuff. You're always worried about this or that, you know. And I mean, whatever. Is that what God is like? Not apparently. Notice, even after his own disciples have betrayed him, wasn't even there when he was murdered. Could have been. Only one was there, John. Who, by the way, is writing Revelation here. All the rest of them abandoned him. What's the first thing Jesus says to them? We read it today. Do you remember from the readings today? What was it? Yeah, John. When it was evening, first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Here they are, cowering still. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. He doesn't say, God, seriously, man, I mean... For real, bro. Like, at my time of most need, dude, you weren't there. That's what I would have said. I'd have been the first. Time I've been like, like, seriously, Peter, I, dude, you literally just read the table, man. You couldn't. And say he says, peace be with you. And then the next thing he says is, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. In other words, he restores them all. That's what he wants to do with it. You say, man, I blew it this week. I messed up. I've messed up for months. I've messed up for years. You know what? He wants to say to you today, he is ready to say it today. He's saying it through my voice right now. And that is peace be to you. I'm not just angry and upset. I love you. You say, how do you know that? (laughs) Says it right here. Look. To him who loves us. He loves us. Growing up in a family that loved me was unbelievable. One of the things that it did for me, though, was I just assumed everybody else had that, you know. And I took it for granted because that's what we do when we're swimming in something, isn't it? I mean, fish aren't thankful for the water until they get out of the water get a big hook in their mouth. it's like, ah, I really like that water stuff. At least that's what I imagine they think. And for a long time, I just took for granted that people loved me and prayed for me. Honestly, it didn't really mean enough to me. It didn't mean a lot to me. It wasn't because I meant to be a jerk. It was just, I didn't know anything else. But the older I've gotten, and the more brokenness that I've realized in here, much less out here in our, all of our lives, in all of our world, when somebody says, hey, man, I love you. I'm praying for you. Let me just tell you something. That means a lot to me. My little small group that I have on, on this is just one, Just there's several groups that, that really show this love. My little small group that I have at AdTran, I know those people really care for me. That's why I show up every week. I know they love me. And that really means something to me. Some of your words really mean something to me when you say, I love you. I need need love. I'm not too, I'm 38 years old now, you know, I just turned 38, right? So I'm not too old for love. You're never too old for love. Maybe as you get older, you need more love. that's why I would encourage you to come with me to Madison Village and show some people who don't get a lot of love some love. That's all we're doing is just say, ma'am, I love you. She's wondering, why why are you here? Because I love you. (laughs) Why do we show up every second? Because we love you. Why? Because he first loved us. It's real simple. It's nothing about us, me. It's about him. He's the beginning and the end. He's the end of all things the meaning of all things. And He loves us. To Him who loves us and, thanks be to God, has freed us from our sin. Notice, loves us, active, present, tense. He's actively doing it in the present. Freed us, one time event. The cross forever broke the chains. Now we wrap ourselves up in those chains and we try to cover ourselves and hide in the cellar. But He's saying, Come out, child. All you got to do is just come out. Take my hand. Let's walk. Let's walk. We're already freed. Some of us just don't know it. Let's start walking in that freedom. That's exactly the language Paul uses. Walk in the freedom of Christ. He's already secured it. It's done. It is done. The forces of evil, darkness has already been overcome. That's why when we watch movies, you know, Lord of the Rings, I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings, I'm thinking of Matrix, I'm thinking of Chronicles of Narnia, I'm thinking of Avengers. It's like, yeah! You know, we want to do that where we're all, you know, yeah, that's good, you know. Yeah. You want to clap? That's the way I'm feeling right now. I want to clap because He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And because He has risen, He has made us a kingdom of priests. In other words, each of us have a ministry now. We, too, are confessors of the faith, witnesses of the faith, which means we walk out of here with that same sort of good news. And for some of us, we need to give ourselves a pep talk. And for others of us, we need somebody else to give us a pep talk. But if we don't get into groups, if we don't let other people in our lives, it'll never happen, and we'll stay in the cellar. Don't do that. Don't do that. Instead, come out, join this community here if you don't have a better one. Are we the best? Absolutely not. Do we have everything like we want it? Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, But are we following the risen Lord Jesus? Absolutely. And are we trying to love people in our community in this very building and facility that he's given us? Absolutely. Are we trying to teach these little ones? to walk in His ways, to be nurtured in the love of God? Absolutely. Are we trying to nurture marriage here? Absolutely. Family? Yes. Singles? Absolutely. Jesus was a single. Best minister ever. (laughs) The apocalypse means the unveiling of the end. And you say, man, that sounds pretty scary. No, because it's the face of Jesus. That's what the end is. Like, don't be distracted by all the things blowing up and pouring out and all that kind of stuff in here, okay? Because at the end of all things is the face of Jesus Christ. And His face is for you. It's toward you. And just like a child, some of you need to look up. You know, when a kid gets in trouble, inevitably... If they've been taught right, they do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you want them to do that. Frank used to be best at this. Not, not uh, Frank Arena, but, but, but my Frank, Baylor. If he got in trouble, he'd go. Hm. <laughs> say, buddy, look at daddy. Look at daddy. Some of us need to look into the face of Jesus today. Yes. and We can do that. He's here and he's ready to say to us, peace. Some of us have been in the storm of life been rough in here not just out here in here he can say peace be still storm be still receive my peace my peace i give unto you and then he tells us now go be peacemakers that was one of the beatitudes right be peacemakers well i hope that describes your life i want it to describe my life here's the point the world is pregnant for him to come back. It's pregnant and ready to give birth to something completely new. I'm in. Are you? I hope so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.